Diary, episode 21 of the Breakdowns and Breakaways podcast. How's it going today, buddy? It's going well. I'm excited for uh, the Penguins heading out west. I know I know some it's... Some late games. Some late games. I'm, I know some people aren't a fan, and honestly, as I've gotten a little bit older, it's been a little bit tougher for me to, to stay up for all of them. Tomorrow is my day off since I work 410s, so uh, I can stay up and watch this one. And I think I'm going to have a couple, uh, as the hockey players like to call them, a couple of pops. Okay. And uh, and watch this hockey game. That way, if they're not playing well, the pops will keep me happy. And if they're playing well, the pops will get me a little more happy. There you go. How pops tend to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, I'm excited for this trip, one, just because it's always fun to have the late night games Mm -hmm. and and being out west, whether that's in Cali or or up in Canada. Um, And I, I know we've said it for what two thirds of the season up to this point that, Oh, this next stretch for the penguins is crucial. But this, this trip that they're on is literally going to define whether or not they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that is going to have to do with the defensive play of this hockey team, because whether we like it or not, they now are down Gensel and rust. So they have to depend on, on uh, some better defensive play, maybe a little bit more, uh, positionally responsible play in their own zone. Um, Counterpoint, though, hockey is so dumb sometimes. I, and I we, know. And we've, we've already seen it. We talked about it a little over the weekend. Like, the there are the Penguins are getting some some depth contributions right now. Yeah. So how how on-brand would it be for this for them maddening just, like, Penguins team to go be getting off offensively? Probably Drew O'Connor's going to score a hat trick. Ricard Raquel's going to start a goal Kempe, streak. Or, uh, not Kempe. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Remke, Rempe on, uh, and I, I how I like my brain just wants to combine those two. We were just talking about him off air. But uh, Bemstrom like he'll get his six goals on the like he'll, he'll hit six goals on this trip and that there goes the third round pick um but no i do think like the the you know the safe bet is going to be defensively responsible hockey they're going to have to get good goaltending um you know they're going to have to play a style of hockey that maybe they're not accustomed to playing all the time which begs to begs the question ryan graves is he going to figure it out on this trip? Because when I say defensively responsible, the last defenseman on this team that I think of is Ryan Graves. When I when I say the word defense, I don't even need to put a caveat on there or any kind of you know extra wording on that. When I say defense, the last defenseman I think of on this team right now is Ryan Graves. I like to say that he's big for nothing. Like that that's my go-to line about him. He is six foot five. He's long. He's he's a big player who plays like he's five foot two. He's not. I don't understand him. And uh, you know, we saw it la- on Sunday against the Flyers at the end of the game, where you know, just him not being in the right place, uh, just in the last 30, 40 seconds of that game, almost caused you know caused that game to go to overtime because he just wasn't doing anything that a defenseman is supposed to do in the last 30 seconds of the game. Is it salvageable? Because this is, is I'm not saying that he has been, you know, a defensive stalwart for his career, but this is an outlier of a season for him. So is this one salvageable for him? And two, if it's not, or if there's even a question, uh, can, can you get rid of this contract? Maybe, tie it down to something if they do become sellers like what do you do with ryan graves 
I think it's a very interesting question because, as you mentioned, while Graves has been absolutely terrible this year, I don't think there, if, if you actually went and looked at his number, everybody's like, oh, he actually had some really good seasons with the, with the Avalanche and the Devils, which I don't necessarily agree with. He was definitely a playable top four defenseman at some points throughout. Um, but the fact remains that like he is far and away having the worst season of his career right now. Mm. And while he is in his late 20s, and that's not exactly the point in time when you'd expect a middling defenseman to, to have an uptick going forward, I think there is at least uh, a somewhat reasonable case to be made that he can be and might even be a little bit better moving forward. I know the on-ice product has not been good, and I, I did not have super high expectations for him going into the season. You were, yeah, I, I actually thought it was a good signing, and, and you were the one who talked me off of it. So, Well, it, it was so tough for me because, one, at the time I was still working on the beat, and not to say that I was giving different opinions on the beat than I would have if I wasn't, but you don't immediately want to go to be in the Debbie Downer instant negativity. So you always try and find like the, especially with Dubis having just come in yeah. and that being his first free agent class, you try and find, you but try and glean you, the positive. When you're on the beat, you're approaching things a lot differently than, right. than we are right now where, you know, like when I was on the Steelers beat, I would not, uh, I don't want to say that I trash Kenny Pickett, but I would not say the things about Kenny Pickett while I was on the beat that I'm saying now, because at some point in time, I'm going to have to go go to him for an interview. I'm going to have to talk to him. I'm going to have to get information from him. And you want to keep that professional relationship professional. So yeah. uh, there's a lot more that people don't realize uh, of, you know, people management and relationship management with the beat. So you know, you not saying everything that maybe you may have thought is not, I don't think that's a... I tried to allude to it the yeah, best I yeah, could. But that's not a knock on you. That's just you you playing the game that, you know, yeah, covering a, a professional sports team is. I mean, like, like the, let's be real. Like, that's it's a lot of relationship management. Right. Uh, so to go back to the questions you asked, uh, I, I do think that he can be better. Um, it has been discouraging though. He, he was recently, I think it's been three games now that he's been bumped down to the third pairing with Chad Ruedel. And if I feel like he's been playing worse, which is a little bit alarming. Yeah. However, like I said, this is far and away the worst season he's had in his career. Um, so th again, that could improve. I don't know if it'll happen this season. And I know I get tweets all the time that are like, oh yeah, he wouldn't be the first defenseman to improve after his first season with the team. Look at Sergei Gonchar. Look at Paul Martin. Yeah, He's I get that. He's not Sergei Gonchar or it, Paul exactly. Martin. Exactly. And I, I know Paul Martin even wasn't some like incredible, amazing player, but Graves is not and never has been, never will be even in the same Correct. stratosphere as those two. So I don't think that's necessarily a, a comparison that can be made. Um, but the fact remains that he is in his late twenties and even if he does improve, however slight or significant that may be, there's still another five years left on that contract. And I remember one of the first podcast episodes you did, uh, or that we did after the season had started, maybe two or three weeks in, you asked me the question, can the Penguins even move that contract right now if they wanted to? And that was before he's 
disastrous season right. continued, and I wasn't so sure that they'd be able to. Now they're at the point where I don't think there's a GM around the league that would touch that contract without some sort of incentive. Yeah, so, so let, but let's play. Let's play the game. You know, like let's let's say that they are sellers. Let's say nothing, nothing really changes from this you know West Coast trip, and they're still nine points out. You know, with even less games to play, uh, or seven points out, whatever they are right now. Um, if you were to, you brought up Jake Gensel while we were talking before the show. So if you were to say, attach him to Gensel, I know that brings the trade value down of Gensel, but maybe you throw in, you know, if Bemstrom doesn't score his six goals, maybe there's where you throw that third, you know, you just kind of attach a pick and Gensel to him to make it a little bit more appetizing. I think with the salary cap going up at least by 4 million this year. And it probably will do the same the year after. And then the NHL is talking about expansion again, which means there's going to be I another influx. I hope they don't. But there's going to be another influx of money. And then there's going to be another way for teams to get rid of that contract. Maybe you are able to get rid of him. And I know I'm looking extremely glass half full, but I, I don't think even though he's been playing worse, than we had anticipated. I actually don't think that it's as immovable of a contract than maybe I thought it was at the beginning of the season. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. I I think to answer the question of whether you should maybe try and attach him to Gensel right now uh, in a trade, and I know everybody's like, oh, we got to get this haul for Gensel, but Again, I, I've said it a million times now, the mid first round pick and, you know, high right. B tier prospect that the Penguins would be getting back for Gensel are not going to have any implications. The, the on. only way the Gensel trade actually makes sense for the here and now is say they get a, not to interrupt you, but just quickly. I think if they get a first round pick for him and then their pick for this year ends up becoming a top 10 pick, I think you can trade one of the two of those or both of them and get a nice current haul back for that. Well, the, that would be the the yeah, way I would use it or trade back and get more picks. You know, I, you'd have to get creative. Yeah, that's it. exactly it. So going back to what I was about to lead into is that it's tough to answer those kind of questions right now without knowing what the future direction is going to be. Are they going to sure. try and, uh, you know, retool in the offseason and, and go back at it again next year and try and compete? That's the vibe I got from Dubas. Yeah, I mean, it's almost hard not to with the way Crosby's playing. Um, yeah, you don't want to waste any of his, like any of this. Like, I, I know it handcuffs the team, but I, I mean, like again, let's let's look glass half full. If this team somehow makes the playoffs while Rust is out and Gensel is out, like there's no way Sid isn't in the Hart Trophy conversation. Even if he's he'll be one, even if he's thirty yeah. points behind Kucherov, or, and and uh, well, he's already significantly right. more but than thirty points. But I'm saying, like, even behind. if he's that, like, if he's super far behind them, I don't think that that should matter because the game that he's playing is elevating anybody that touches the ice with him, and that's the dictionary definition of the heart. If you go back to what the heart is. Yeah. So yeah, just to, as an aside there, but I don't, all of that to say, I I think that you would be doing a disservice to the team, the fan base, the, you know, Crosby himself, if you wasted the, the, what he's doing. Yes. I, 
I honestly don't hate the idea of of attaching graves in a in some sort of Gensel trade, but if for whatever reason the plan is not to try and retool and compete next season, Graves is almost the kind of guy that you want to have around during your downturn because he's got he's making more than he's worth and he's not a very good player. So those, he, Ryan Graves is the kind of guy that you know you see the Blackhawks target sure. to to fill up their roster. But, but here's the other thing with that that where I I would push back on that idea with Graves. If they do pick in the top ten this this year, they're going to keep that pick. It's top ten protected. I don't think you want to go into next year potentially being worse than you were this year because now that could be another top 10 pick or top five pick that you don't get it's going to san jose well i mean it's it's an unenviable unenviable situation no matter what i i think if i'm them if they get i mean if they do end up backdooring their way into a top 10 pick which i guess isn't so much backdooring right now anyways because of where they're at in the standings yeah i mean they have if you look at their points percentage they're they're not really there, but if you look at the raw point total, because yeah. it's been the whole season, the schedule's been so weird that they've had multiple yeah, games in hand so since, far behind, like the Thanksgiving break. Uh, so obviously, you know that that is a thing, but they could very well lose those games as it, as we've seen this yeah. team do time and time and again. Plus, and then all of a sudden, lottery. right there. So I mean, they could have a little Macklin Celebrini action to to save the franchise at the end of the Crosby could you, era. Huh? Could you imagine? It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. No, I don't think they're gonna finish. They'd have to finish. They'd have to finish eleventh to have a chance at the first pick because you can only move up ten. Well, yeah, so, but if they finish eleventh, it's uh, they don't get the pick. No, it's where the draft pick lands. No, I know, but if they finish eleventh, the pick is going to no. If they pick in the top ten, right? It's protected, right? So if they finish eleventh oh, in I, the I standings, see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That would give them a chance to get the number one overall pick. You can only move up right. ten picks yeah, yeah. in the draft. I got you. So you. if they finished twelfth, they're the best they could do is second, you know, and so right. on and so forth. So, all uh, we kind of got off the topic. I I don't think that Graves is as immovable as I thought he was at the beginning of the season. However, I think if you're in a situation where you're trying to get rid of, it, it's like this catch twenty two in every possible way. If you're in a situation to trade Graves and attach him to Gensel, then that means you're out of it for this year, but you don't want to be worse next year. And so there's just so many things at play here. I I honestly think you almost need to find a team and swap defensemen. You know, like, I I don't know, you know, what Calgary's plans are, but, uh, you know, maybe... Ryan Graves for Noah Hannafin, make it happen. (laughs) Well, okay, so, okay, Jake Gensel, Ryan Graves, and a third. Does that get you Noah Hannafin? I don't, if know why, I don't know why Calgary would do that. No, it, well, if, if Gensel resigns, that's a different conversation. But right. I, I don't know that my, Calgary. My point would is, do it's going anyway. I don't. And think I also that don't that know would that that would make sense for the Penguins because Hannafin doesn't have a contract either. Right. And I don't know that that like uh, that was just Calgary was the first no, thing that came I to mind you. because they have multiple defensemen. Yeah, you know how I operate. Yeah. though. I take everything very literally. Exactly. Exactly. You are a robot. <laughs> uh, my point being. Dubis is going to have to get creative if he wants to get rid of Ryan Graves. If that's what he wants to do. Now, the other thing that's the easier thing to do is hope that this is an outlier of a year and he finds even level, which 
I don't even know if that's great for him, but it'll be yeah, better than even what it's level been. for him is like but mid to low end second pairing guy. If he's a mid to low end second pairing guy or a third pairing guy and and can be that consistently again with the salary cap going up, I don't think a four million dollar well, four and change. Right. Uh, I don't think it's that bad of a cap hit um, that they can't recover from. Again, Sid, I don't know what his new deal is going to look like, but he's currently playing on a sweetheart deal. Uh, Malkin and Latang aren't making a ton of money. Um, they're, no, they're, both of those guys are living. Yeah, up to the only cap one that's really making an outrageous amount of money is is uh, Eric Carlson. So I, I don't think that they're as cap strapped as people think that they are. You know, going into next season with the cap going up, now they're going to have a lot of holes to fill. Well, the, so everybody's. Not everybody. I've seen a lot of people talk like, oh, the Penguins might as well just move on from Gensel because they're not going to be able to afford them. They are going to be able to afford them. And the biggest reason is uh, because Gensel's making six right now. You look at Jeff Carter's cap hit coming off the books. There's that money right there because I I don't don't, see Gensel getting 10 million a year. When I think when you look at what, you know, uh, Mitch Marner is making, when you look at what, uh, not to keep going with Toronto Maple Leafs, but. they're kind of driving the market right now. Look at what uh, uh, Nylander just got. He's not going to go that high. Uh, he's not going to make, you know, I don't think he's going to make $11 million because now you're no. still getting into, you know, um, top tier. Like, that's what Vancouver's looking at. The last number I heard was 11 or $12 million for uh, uh, Pedersen. So, um, yeah, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that that's going to be a number. So yeah, I don't think he's going to get into the double digits. I think it's going to be nine, nine and a half, uh, if I if we're being realistic. And I think five years, six years at nine and a half million is a pretty fair deal for what Jake Ensel brings to the table. All right, let's switch gears for a second. Let's kind of get off the Penguins for a little bit. I, I don't know if there's a Penguins conversation that we can have right now that we haven't had at some point in time during this season. Uh, I want to stay in the division. And I want to talk about uh, the old school, new school, tough guy, Matt Rempe. Uh, not Adrian Kempe, because that's what I keep wanting to go to, as I said earlier in the show. Uh, Matt Rempe has played, what, five games in the NHL? Yeah, Four games in the NHL? So, yeah. um, his first shift, he had a fight outdoors against Matt Martin, <laughs> which is awesome. I mean, that's that's great. Um his second game, he was thrown out of it or had no, he had 22 penalty minutes mm-hmm. in the second game. Third game, he was thrown out of for a high. Was it a high hit or was it just a him being tall hit? It was both. Okay. Um, thrown out of the game for that. And then fourth game gets into a fight with uh, from the Flyers, Eric Deloria. Deloria yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then, then the following game, he fought Matthew Olivier, who's also a bit of a Columbus, tough guy yes. from Columbus, and got his ass beat. Right, but he's six foot eight, six foot, six seven, foot seven, depending yeah. on who you talk to. Big boy uh, has, from what I've heard, a longer wingspan than uh, Zdeno Chara, and he just doesn't care. No, the fascinating thing to me about that guy, and I, I didn't even know who he was until he was called. Neither have I. Neither have I. Uh, the, the fascinating thing to me about him is that, at least from what I've heard from my Rangers people, and uh, you Your know, the, Rangers people. Okay. Well, I, I don't know how else to say. Like I, I have, 
I try to from most fan bases, not all, like the Coyotes, no, the Wild, no, but most teams I have. Like how you just lump the Wild in with the Coyotes. <laughs> Who cares about the Wild? <laughs> I do love me some Joel Erickson, but yes. forget the Wild. Um, Carol Kaprizov, too. That, that kid, yeah. That kid's something special. Um, anyway, most teams I at least try to keep up with because obviously, you, unlike the Penguins, I'm not able to watch every single game of every single team. So I try to keep up with other teams by having following on Twitter the what I deem to be the smartest people of those fan bases on Twitter. So that's what I'm so, referring right, to wait, when I so say my were, people. If you were a Minnesota Wild fan, <laughs> would you follow Danny Shirey on Twitter or Probably are you not, not one of the smart ones? Probably not. <laughs> you'd, you'd follow uh, Zachary Smith, right? Yes. Yeah, that's who you'd follow. I almost said another name that I probably shouldn't. <laughs> it's a good thing I cut you off. We don't need more Twitter beef. Um, anyway, the Rangers, my Rangers people that I follow and and generally respect their opinions of not only the Rangers but of the sport. All of them are like, this was not Rempe's game in the minors. Like he's not some major big tough guy, and like he has fought in the minors sure. before, but. Not to this extent. Like, that was not his game. And all of a sudden... I, it's his game. Well, now it's, it's his like game. Everybody but wants a shot at it's him. It's like a, it became a bit so fast. But the reason we're having this discussion now is because after Matthew Olivier beat his ass, there was a picture that came out today from Rangers practice <laughs> of Rempe's face where he literally <laughs> looks like he got hit by a bus. He looks like, uh, what's his name from the Goonies? I have no idea. Oh, what well, um Lurch or whatever from the Goonies. I can't think of it. I, I I've only seen the movie once. Eddie will superimpose a picture yeah, of him on the it, video feed. It's just me. Like I don't even need to superimpose it. He just looks like me. <laughs> just beat up and been through war and growing up in a bad neighborhood. And <laughs> All right. Let's stay on topic here yeah. though. What like this kid has obviously made a name for himself. Like yes. everybody around the league knows who he is now. He's mm -hmm. a major story. We're sitting here talking about him on a Penguins podcast. So mission accomplished in that regard. But then like, and I don't know that you can fully grasp this unless you've seen the picture that we're referring to, but like that is not good for this kid. And that's definitely not good for the sport. I need a minute to think about that before I respond. You're saying it's a, how old is it, dude? 21? You yeah, think it's good that kid. a 21-year-old dude probably just get, got CTE from his first five games in the NHL? I think, and this goes back to the conversation we had two episodes ago. Yeah. And I, I don't think fighting should be banned, but like this bit that he has going on, I'm not for it. I... It's entertaining for sure. It's entertaining. I think that he needs to be careful. And <sighs> I think the team needs to be careful. But I do think going back to, and I, I know you're, I already know this is going to start a fight between you and me. What I'm about to say is going to start okay, a complete total fight between the two of us. Going back to was two seasons ago, three seasons ago, maybe, when the Rangers got punked by Scott Wilson. 
or not Scott Wilson. Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Scott Wilson ain't punking anybody. No, Scott Wilson is not <laughs> punking anybody. Uh, Tom Wilson. The, the you you remember the the whole situation I'm talking about where he hit Panarin and. Yeah, and the Rangers put out a like a press release or something right. like calling out and then, the Wilson in the NHL. And then the next and then they employ then they bring Jacob in, Truba. They 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 have Jacob Truba brought in Ryan Reeves for a, a hot minute and like just kind of went off the deep end. I think if I were a Rangers fan, I would love this. Because we're finally the aggressors. Even if he gets his ass whooped by somebody, you have somebody on your team that by default, he's six foot seven on the low end, by default could manhandle most dudes in the NFL that he, or NHL that he comes in contact with. And if he's going to lean into that, yes, he has to be careful, but I would be ecstatic as a Rangers fan. I, I realize that this is an old way of thinking about hockey, but I do believe there's a little bit of truth to it. And I'm going to use, I keep going back to the Maple Leafs, but I'm going to use the Maple Leafs as an example. Look at the production that Austin Matthews is having this season. Now, he is an alien. What, uh, what are you about to say, Eddie? But the fact that there are guys on the team that have oh, more no. toughness and oh, more no. grit, you can't tell me that that doesn't Who? allow him to play a little bit more free. Listen, There's been instances this season where Maple Leafs have gotten destroyed listen, with Ryan listen. Reeves on the ice. Talk to Mario Lemieux. Talk to Wayne Gretzky. Who was in the who, who went to LA with Wayne Gretzky? Who was on Edmund? Who was a teammate of his on Edmonton in Edmonton and went with him to LA when he got traded? Eddie. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about McSorley. Ma yeah, Mar Marty McSorley. Yeah. Okay. Do you know why? Because it was a safety blanket. It was a safety net. It was a safety blanket for Wayne Gretzky. This ain't old-time hockey. I know it's not old-time hockey, but that I'm not saying that it is true. I'm not saying that the stats will bear it out. I, what I am saying is this if you play is, the mental game, if you play thing, the though. mental game, if you allow a superstar to think that he's getting more open ice, that's great. Awesome. If Panarin thinks he's getting a little bit more open ice and he's not doing it, but if it's a placebo effect, have at it, buddy, because that makes Panarin that much better. I don't care if it's a placebo effect. I think the idea of having a tough guy that can wreck somebody on your team, it makes people pause a little bit. Look, okay, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm only going by my, I'm only going by my experience, okay? Do you know why I liked high school so much? Do you know why I was peaked in high school, Eddie? Uh, why Eddie, where Eddie was peaked in high school, Rob Because I didn't have to worry about fighting anybody. Do you know why I hated middle school? Because every damn day on the bus, I had to fight someone. Every damn day at recess, I had to fight somebody. And I hated it. But I liked high school a lot more and did a lot better in high school. Because I didn't have to worry about that stuff. That does. That's not a hockey thing. That's not a school thing. That's not a football thing. If you have somebody that you have to worry about, like, okay, I got to deal with this guy tonight. He's going to be a pain in the ass. I'm going to have to maybe fight him. I'm at least going to have to get in his face. He's going to get in my face. He's three inches bigger than me. He's got the reach on me. 
little bit, man. And a hockey hockey is a game of milliseconds. Any little bit helps. I if I were a Rangers fan, I would be over. I mean, I I absolutely agree with the last Thank part. You. Like, all right, cool. There we go. All, all right. right, we're done. End it. End the show. <laughs> no, I mean, I, again, I'm fully willing to admit, admit that it is entertaining, and I I myself I'm not have even talking been about entertaining. Man, I'm talking about psychology of the game. Well, I I know I get that much, and I even think back to when I was playing and coaching, specifically when I was playing. Not that. You know, I, I wasn't good at all. I didn't even start playing high school hockey till my junior year. Um, played like deck and roller hockey mm. growing up. But I anyway, that's aside from the point. But I remember, uh, you know, it, it was energizing and did give a boost to the team when and, you know, it's high school. So you don't necessarily have goons that you would run into them. You know, a, I would have been one. Yeah, you would have been one. I was no good at hockey, so I just would have by default. Uh, but there, it was energy, energizing to the team and the overall morale of the team to have a guy out there who would go. We had this uh, we had this kid, Brandon Wise. I guarantee you nobody who I played with or even knows who that kid is is listening. But if that's the case, I bet Brandon Wise is very shocked that I'm name dropping him on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, Brandon Wise was a decent player. Um, Family owns the potato chip brand, right? No. But this dude would just go completely out of his way to just bulldoze people. My all, kind of guy. All the time. And he he, he was a football player, uh, so he kind of brought that over onto the ice a little bit. And like it was a spectacle when especially when he would come back to the bench and somebody would piss him off and he's like, oh, like I'm I'm going I'm like he starts seeing red. And then it, w- it was legitimately fascinating to watch him hop back <laughs> over the boards to go see what he do. So there is an element of of that. I just don't know that it's to the extent you might think it is. Like impacting performance to that degree. I don't know. Like I said, even if it's a placebo effect for some of these superstars, I mean, we've seen the only reason why I bring it up and I, I think that way is because I've seen guys that are super motivated, like Crosby and McKinnon and Ovechkin and Austin Matthews. I've I've heard these guys talk about like, yeah, that really inconsequential thing pissed me off, and I had a little edge, a little chip on my shoulder. Listen to Tom Brady. Nobody ever, like, the last half of Tom Brady's career, when did anybody actually ever question Tom Brady or, like, think that he wasn't good enough? And how many times do you hear him say, yeah, they doubted me? You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, no one no one thought we could do it. Yeah. Everyone thought you could do it. Right. You were, you backdoored, you know, into the AFC West, and everyone still thought you could do it. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure where you- competitive people- that they look for anything to give them an edge. Well, no, it's it, they're deluding themselves to their advantage. Like I genuinely believe that Brady and like the Chiefs and Mahomes and Kelsey believe that because yeah. they deluded themselves into it for a competitive think that guys advantage. Guys like Austin Matthews and Sid. And, or look, why would have the Penguins tried to bring all the like? Do you really think if Sid didn't want Ryan Reeves on the hockey team, he would he would have been on the hockey team? That was a Jim Rutherford thing. I think Sid. I think Sid. I don't. was okay with it. I don't know that he. Ba- I don't think that he was banging the table for Ryan Reeves, but I don't think he said no to it. I. Th- I think that it in wasn't the back his of call, his mind, especially at that no, point of I his career. I think in the man. back of his mind, he probably thought, "Yeah, this this might help me." Yeah, maybe it didn't. 
And, and again, like I, I'm, I'm open to the idea that this is a placebo, that it actually is worse, that it's like I, I'm open to that. But when you're talking about hyper competitive superstars, if they think that they're going to have an, a little bit of extra ice and that makes them do something different, let them. I mean, like, hey, whatever it takes, uh, I'm good with it. You know, like if it's those little mental games that you have to play. I think that, you know, when we're talking about elite level talent like that, we're not talking about the gap between, you know, your hockey ability and my hockey ability, which is, you know, a chasm. We're talking about, you know, the elite level, you know, McDavid over McKinnon, you know, Matthews over, you know, whoever else. So I think that any little bit of edge and again, it is entertaining. I do think that hockey needs a little bit of nastiness in it to, to be what hockey is supposed to be. I think that's what sets hockey aside or apart from all of the other sports. Like, yeah, it it's, it is the most, in my opinion, the most beautiful artistic sport on the planet. But when you, you have that juxtaposition of nasty SOBs that will rip your face off, there's just that like yin and yang that like back and forth that you have that makes it to me just more entertaining than anything else on the planet. And hockey is a better sport when you have a few guys like that. I think that was an incredible monologue to, to wrap us up, Edward. There it is. Wasn't the text message that I sent you that we were, that I wanted to talk about, but did you even see that? I did. Did you understand any of it? Uh, I understood what you were getting at, but there was a reason I did not acknowledge it. Okay. On that note, <laughs> uh, this has been the Breakdowns and Breakaways podcast. For Danny Shirey, I'm Eddie Provident. Don't forget to like and subscribe and on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Substack. and Do all the things. Yeah, X and Twitter and Gmail and Instagram and MySpace. Yeah. All that fun stuff. And we will catch you next week on the Breakdowns and Breakaways podcast.